Hello, this is Tucker Johnson coming to you live for the second time today. Nimsy is taking over the airwaves because of a scheduling miracle happened. We have two people. To, um, uh, to, right now, I have Robert Rogie, who I have known for a long time. I think we met originally at Localization World in Seattle, I want to say. Yeah, it was, it was in Seattle, yes. And, uh, and that was an awesome conference, by the way. I had a lot of fun there. Remember conferences? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I want to go, go back. Exactly. I miss, I miss conferences. It's coming. It is coming. And I'm excited about that. Well, you, despite the fact that we haven't been to conferences, you've been doing quite a bit of speaking around out there and talking. You're always talking. I'm seeing blogs from, from Zingword. Um, but today we're talking about local content creation versus trans creation, which I know is a subject that's near and dear to your heart. And a lot of our listeners might not even know what that is. They might be wondering, mm -hmm. what is the difference? What is localization? And let alone, what is the difference between localization and um, transcreation? What is um, local content creation? And what is the difference between that and content creation? And that is mm -hmm. what we want to get into today. Right, Robert? Cool. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. And just a quick reminder, here's how we do here on Nimsy is these are pop-up sessions. These are not planned other than the fact that we're, we have a, something on the calendar to talk to you together. So um, join us in the comments. We want these to um, build a community in the comments. If you have any questions, leave them in the comments. We'll make sure to get those. If you have any disagreements, make sure to let us know as well. And if you're interested in scheduling a Nimsy live session, being my next victim here, definitely let me know. My name is Tucker Johnson, and you can find me on LinkedIn. I'll talk to anybody. But without further ado, let's get this music out of here and let's go into it. Robert, what is right on. local content? No, let's start here. What is trans creation? Let's oh, that. man. Right? Uh, I don't want to. I don't wanna. <laughs> um, right on. Yeah. Well, trans creation, trans creation is when you are uh, translating uh, content, uh, you're adapting it for the local market. But you are you are doing like some uh, additional uh, creative steps to try to adapt uh, that particular message. Um, I think that there's probably about as many definitions of trans creation as there are like trans creators. Um, so it's just kind of difficult to to define. Uh, some translators think that that trans creation is just translation done really well. Um, but I think that most people seem to think that trans creation belongs in its own sort of category. Yeah, um, most people, we, right? Like, I think so. To your point, like trans creation is translation done really well, right? Like this is this is dangerous. This is super dangerous because it's fuzzy. Mm -hmm. It's a fuzzy. Um, it's a fuzzy definition of not just a term, but it's a fuzzy definition of a service, which presumably mm -hmm. you're charging for. And people don't like to pay money for things that they don't know exactly what they're getting. So that's mm -hmm. why I wanted to start with transcreation because it's so important yeah. to define that before you even get started. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point to make too, because I think if you're, you know, if you're purchasing a translation service, 
and what you got back was a trans creation service. You might be surprised uh, at the liberties that were taken with your content. <laughs> right. So uh, it's good to have a good understanding of what you're talking about. So if anything, it's at least uh, useful to define trans creation or have some kind of idea what it is, just so you know what service you're agreeing to uh, <laughs> provide or, or buy. Because yeah. um, I've also heard this term... Um... So, like, my understanding of trans creation is it's essentially, instead of translating from English to another language or a source language to a target language, word for word, like, trying to follow the meaning of the sentence exactly, it's adapting the meaning of what's being said mm -hmm. in the source language and then writing it again in a more fluent way in the in the target language which sometimes means it's not a one-to-one -one. so if there's you know mm -hmm. two sentences in the source language might be combined into one sentence in, mm -hmm. in the target language you know idioms and cliches and those type of cultural things those are going to be um, changed around too but mm -hmm. it's different from you know, localization, because frankly, like the official term for localization, like the official definition of that, isn't that what localization is supposed to be? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you know? I, I mean, some people, some people say that, yeah. And uh, it's, uh, for, for me, uh, when, when we talk about localization and translation, I tend to think that, that, at least so far as the part of localization that is translation, um, they should be adapting it for the local market already. They should be doing those things. And so as part of translation, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, defining these terms is actually pretty difficult. So I, I tend to just uh, go with the sort of accepted thing, which is that trans creation is about uh, uh, like really changing and being and adapting the, the text into a totally new, uh, text like and I tend to think of like slogans or things like that because that helps it to me it, it makes it easier for me to decide what transcreation is um, when I think about translation I think about uh, translating the text trying to adapt it for the local market but uh, really just focused on uh, getting a, a good and uh, accurate translation that's not necessarily literal um, but uh, and then when I think of localization I guess it encompasses uh, everything else uh, besides the text and then also the text itself and maybe a little bit more into like messaging. Um, okay. But uh, there's, there's like a Venn diagram of these terms and they, they yeah. you know, they, they overlap. So local content creation is actually pretty easy to define. Local content creation is just your, instead of translating or transcreating, you're just going to write it again uh from scratch okay. in the in the target language okay so that 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 one at, at least is easy to get so but uh, how, how, what does that mean though so write it again how do you know what to write like how is that different from translating is it um mm -hmm. like what's that process right so um let's go back to my first stories for that Ooh, so i found it uh yeah like way back in the day like 10 12 years ago uh, I had a small agency and we did a lot of content uh, writing um, in, it was like kind of like local content creation, but uh, it had to be local content because it didn't work as a translated thing because they were actually like products launching in the target markets. Oh, okay. Um, and then we did uh, translations too. And 
I was starting off my career and, uh, you know, you would have a conversation with a client and you're like, okay, you know, this is going to cost this much to uh, translate this blog post, for example. Mm -hmm. And uh, the client's like, oh, wow, that's kind of a lot. Cause you know, a lot of uh, end clients don't realize how much translation costs. Um, and then it's like, well, you know, and I remember way back in the day, I'm like, uh, you know, we could just write you a blog post. So if you have like keywords, because usually you have a, your blog post is corresponding to like an SEO strategy and it has a keyword. And it's like, well, you know, we could just translate the keywords and then we could write you a fresh post uh, for the same price as translating the post directly in the target language from the perspective of the person in that market. And, you know, this is like 2010 or so. And, uh, and I remember my clients were like, what, <laughs> right. like what, what, what I mean, what and, is this sorcery that you speak of? Like, yeah. of this. are you trying to steal money from me? Like, I mean, yeah, it, it sounds like, like something like, like, no. like, what are you smoking? Like, if you've never heard of that before, mm. right. It's like, you want to do what now? Yeah. Because it also, cause as a marketer, you know, and, and I mean, now we had the panel, so we had the, the look for home panel and we had uh, Paulina Maclis, we had Fabrizio Cataneo and we had Lindsay Zhang. Um, right. And, you know, Fabrizio's from Stripe, Paulina's from XDRF and uh, and Creative Tribe. That's her company. And uh, Lindsay's from Trip.com. And like, these are people that are doing that kind of thing already. So right. like, there's part of the market that has started doing it. But back out there in the normal sort of area where you have like normal marketing people that need to get content translated. I think for them, it's like super uh, spooky to to have locally created content because they don't they don't know what it says. That, do you know what I mean? Right, right. It's and I, I get that from from a marketer's perspective is like the mm -hmm. sheer terror that must come from not mm. having from losing control of your messaging of losing control mm. of your brand right because with with marketing you know so much thought and freaking focus groups go into like slogans mm. like three word sentences so there, there's a lot of work to be done and mm. you've really got to trust your linguist that they are going to accurately reflect that in in the native language uh, or in their mm -hmm. native language. And this to me is one of – if without defining any other like reason or definition for transcreation or source content creation or marketing translation or like super-duper localization with the cherry on top, like without having mm -hmm. all of these different um, – um, different content categories and, and quality categories, like there is very much a need just for a word like transcreation, just to describe this phenomenon of, or just to bill for this phenomenon, frankly, because we mm -hmm. bill for translation per word. And it's like, I don't want to pay somebody for three words to translate my mm -hmm. brand slogan, right? Like mm -hmm. if I'm paying that person 50 cents, that terrifies me. I want to pay that mm -hmm. person $300. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I want to pay yeah. that person like a minimum, like a half day minimum fee retainer. I want them invested in my brand. I want them doing their research. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want them sub, you know, hitting the submit button really quickly so that mm -hmm. they can move on to the next job and make some money. Right. right. So that's my yeah. case for transcreation is like, you don't want to order translation for certain things. You want there to be a different differentiated level of service. Okay. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I'm still talking yeah, about think, transcreation. Uh, I'm sorry. We want to talk about copy creation. 
Well, you know, you, you, just to bring up another point that that you reminded me of is that like, so this term that we're using right now, local content creation, mm -hmm. um, you know, I find it also interesting because it's a new term. Actually, I, I had never heard the term until we did the look from home panel or look, look, look from home panel. And who, so whose term know, is it? it? Whose term is it? Where did it come from? Like who, who was the first person that said it on that panel? Uh, I think Fabrizio said it via email maybe prior um, when we were sort of uh, looking for angles. And, uh, what, you know, what I find interesting about it is it has the word local in it. And so like if you're, I, I don't know where the term comes from exactly, but it's really just content creation, right? Yeah. But local content creation is a term, I think that if you're a localization manager in a company, you can also use that term internally so people get what you're actually trying to say. Um, you know, because you're trying to get more local, you know, you're trying to um, adapt your content even more than you were before by just writing it locally. And uh, so I, I, I think the term local content creation is actually kind of a good term. It's also a useful term for the localization industry when because if you're a localization manager and, you know, you're, you're going to the marketing team and you're like, OK, we need to start creating this content uh, right. in the target market from scratch. Uh, you know, being able to use a term like local content creation, is, I think it sounds very nice. Um, well, yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that because, I mean, you know, it's the, the age-old story. You know, people don't know what mm -hmm. localization means. People don't know what we do. People don't know the mm -hmm. importance of fill-in-the-blank, right? And we talk a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in this industry about, like, how to evangelize or how to educate people. Yeah. I don't like this educate because there's a power dynamic involved mm. there. But like how do we evangelize localization within our organizations and you know, preach mm. the gospel of go to market, blah, 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 blah. And sometimes the answer is much simpler. Stop trying to sell trans or stop, stop trying to like evangelize trans creation and start, you know, rebrand it as local content creation. It's the same thing, mm -hmm. right? Because people understand, you know, the people that matter, the people that approve budgets, they understand mm -hmm. what content creation is, even if they don't understand what trans creation is or mm -hmm. um, localization or internationalization, any of those, you know, yeah. with the numbers in between. So let, like, let's go into some examples um, where local content creation is makes a lot of sense. Um, so it, you can't just use it for everything. Um, you know, like it, it depends on the type of content that, that you have. It depends on the, um, for example, the technical level of your content. Mm -hmm. um, it depends on the volume of your content. And then it also depends, I think, on the purpose of your content. That's a big one. So, yeah, yeah, yeah right. So like in, in the panel, um, you know, Lindsay Zhang's from the travel industry, and I think the travel industry is a really good example of that because like, like let's say that you have a set of blog posts that you are preparing. Uh, maybe you have like 250 blog posts or something uh, about going to uh, different destinations that year. Okay. Um, you know, like uh, the, if you just translate those posts, um, you know, they're not going to be adapted for the local market in the sense that it's written from the point of view of a German traveler or a Dutch traveler or a mm. Chinese traveler. 
And I think we all know that different people travel uh, differently, you know, and some some cultures travel differently than others. The things that they find interesting are different than others. And so, like, if you were, like, let's say you had 250 destinations and you were, were going to write a blog post about each one, um, like, it, it would be relatively simple to write 250 fresh posts in all of your target languages um, because I think the travel industry is, uh, that content is not highly technical, um, for example. So it's, like, feasible to, to produce that content. Um, it's going to convert better. Yeah, you don't, it's you don't need from... to like scour the internet for specialized linguists and specialized expert writers. Is that, is that what you mean by it's easier to produce that type of content? Yeah, that's what I mean. So like, uh, like, I mean, you probably still have to scour the internet, but yeah, oh, I mean, sure. you don't have to scour the internet to, uh, but you don't need hard. to find like a <laughs> PhD specialized in yeah, yeah, reverse sim. I don't know. I don't know. Right? Oh. Yeah. Which is not to take away from travelers because there are some very, very good travelers. And I think traveling is uh, also quite a skill, but uh, uh, traveling is a skill. Traveling is a skill that yeah. we're all going to have to relearn. Unfortunately, <laughs> although where are you calling in from right now? Uh, yeah, I'm on an Island in Croatia. Yeah. So like I live in Croatia, but um, right now on an Island. And so getting a little bit of like national travel, but, uh, but I flew to Spain twice during the pandemic now. And, and that was weird. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, everything's been weird for the last 18 months. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you know, going to the grocery store is weird. So it'll, yeah. it, it'll be over soon. Well, we're on a bit of a sidetrack here, but it is a yeah, pop-up uh, video, right? But like, uh, you know, like the second time I flew, I had it because you have to get these PCR tests and you have to get, uh, depending where you're flying, you may also need rapid antigen tests. And the first time I did it, it was very nerve wracking. But like the last time I did it, I had to do so many tests. I was like just driving down to get my tests. And, yeah. and I was like, oh man, this is the new normal. Like I'm flying somewhere and I got to go drive down to this place and get this test. And, yeah, uh, I, I agree. Yeah. The first time I got my test, it was totally weird. And like the seventh time I got tested, go get some guess. But yeah, we yeah, digress. Yeah. Let's get back mm -hmm. into local content creation. I, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking of an example that um, I met with one time, uh, and I'm not sure. I don't want to say names, but a large real estate online company, right here in the mm -hmm. U.S. Now, real estate is a market that's hyper local, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's hyper hyper local because you know just how people buy and sell and borrow for and finance real estate is very, very dependent upon um, mm -hmm. where, where you're located. Who can buy real estate is very dependent upon where you're located. I can't go to Australia and buy a kangaroo farm or, you know, whatever I want to buy in Australia because I'm not an Australian citizen, right? Unless they, mm -hmm. unless I'm wrong about that. I, I apologize if I am. Um, but here in the U and here in the U.S., it's um, it's no different. I'm not an expert in this area, but anyways, this this company that I was going to, uh, you know, I was on a sales call with a salesperson, and I remember asking the salesperson on the way over there, I was like, "Why are we selling to a real estate company? We sell translation. 
Like we sell localization. Mm-hmm. Like why? Why are we selling to a real estate company? At most, they'll probably ask us to do some Spanish marketing material mm-hmm. for them, right? At most. There's no money here. And the money was in marketing to overseas, specifically Chinese investors. Because here in Washington State, that's a big, you know, they've they've got the, uh, I forget what they call it, but it's like the, you know, sugar daddy visa or something. I don't know. But like if you Mm -hmm. buy property, if you invest into Washington State, if you invest into property and whatnot, then you can get a green card here. So it's Mm -hmm. a way for people to buy green cards um, to come to 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 the U.S. And so they wanted to have a hyper-localized Chinese message that was out there and not translating from the English because there's no English corresponding to that. So this, this Mm -hmm. is the example that I think of when I think of local content creation, because Mm -hmm. this isn't even trans creation. This isn't taking trans creation would be taking the English material and like, all right, reading it, understanding what's the message they're trying to convey, what are the key mm-hmm. points, what are the key, do I have any keywords from the marketing department, and then crafting something new based upon that. This source right. content creation is sitting down and saying, I don't even want to read what they wrote in English. Like, I want to be mm-hmm. talking about stuff that's important for this market specifically, and then creating yeah. it from scratch. Yeah, I think another example that would be like that would be back in the travel industry too is like uh, uh, like like national holidays, you know. So like if right. uh, let's say Fran- France has uh, their own national holidays, and then if you were like a travel booking site, you would want to produce local content that's specifically about those national holidays and different things that they could do on that holiday. That's another example. Have you seen mm-hmm. how uh, Expedia does it? Are you aware of this? No, no, I'm not. So but, uh... it's super cool. I don't know what they're doing now. I don't know if they exist mm-hmm. now. Thank you, 2020. Um, but <laughs> poor Expedia, poor Expedia. Anyways, I, I, I got to go to a Slug event. Slug is Seattle Localization User Groups. They they meet here um, in Seattle, or at least they used to. I think they're getting started again here. But um, it was hosted over at – no, it wasn't hosted at Expedia. It was hosted at King, Big Fish Games, I think. Uh, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, the, the speakers were from Expedia, and they have like this whole automated system to automatically generate content for different rental properties. And this isn't for like hotels, mm-hmm. like professional, real, quote-unquote, hotels. This is for mm-hmm. like their – quote unquote, like, like their Airbnb offering essentially. Right. Cause they, yeah. they, they get into the, the timeshares and the rentals and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. there's just so much content that yeah. they can't, they can't, they can't translate it all. So they have this automated system based upon mm-hmm. like, you know, what people want to know about, like, is it close to a body of water? Is it mm-hmm. on bus lines? Is it, and based upon the, the mm-hmm. AI, it pulls these different mm-hmm. segments from yeah. um it, so it identifies these segments first of all in english yeah. and maps to those in all of these different things anyways it, it's neat it's the opposite of transcreation because it's fully automated mm-hmm. but it's it's still a super neat use case and hey if yeah. anyone from expedia is watching and i just completely butchered that then schedule time come talk to me well Something you know like you know say. what's you know what's fun about that too is uh um so 
because presumably just a, a side note they have all the fields you know so like they know the amenities of the hotel and it's right. all like uh, so it's in a database and so it is probably relatively easy to generate that stuff but but the weird thing too is that like i think very soon you know you're going to be like uh talking to your phone or you're going to be talking to your device and you're going to be like oh hey uh phone device uh book me a hotel that's uh kind of like this and this and this and this and this you know, and then and then your your AI is going to go read the content generated by another AI, and then it's going to uh, to book your hotel or something. You know, um, I find that interesting. I don't know if that's actually the way it will go, but uh, but yeah, that's a good example of local content creation too, which is automated local content yeah. creation. Um, well, let's. Um, I want to know. Well, first of all, do we mm-hmm. have any anyone over here? Oh, let's let's get to the. We have some comments. Sorry, guys. I've been neglecting y'all over in the comments. It was turned off. I apologize. Um, do you mind, Robert? Let's go over here. Annalie Tinworth. Um, here's my stab at the – ooh, I love this. Here's my stab at the definition of services. Translation. One-to-one relation between source and target is important. Okay. Typically legal tasks, EU text, or tech manuals. <clears throat> oh, this is one. Localization. Purpose is to connect with your audience, typically what I do when working on UX or user experience copy. Transcreation. Purpose is to engage your audience, typically ads, taglines, etc. So work with the source text and be and a creative brief. Local content creation. Work from a creative brief brief and no source text. Mm-hmm. Typically with some posts. That is an excellent freaking summary, Anneli. Yeah. I think it's better than than ours. Um, yeah, and uh, Anneli, yeah. why, do I, why do I have this Joker on here? I should have, I should be interviewing you right now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, just Anneli, just send your CV to Tucker after the live stream, and uh, I'm sure Nancy is uh, looking for help. <laughs> yeah. All right. Joking aside, thank you very much for the comment, uh, Christopher. Um, we've got you in here too. Um, in Spain, they have a huge overseas expat market, and they also have a golden visa scheme. Yeah, so we're referring to our comment. Mm-hmm. That's what they call it, golden visa. I, I didn't think it was called the sugar daddy visa. I just couldn't remember what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, um, so for content creation. Mm-hmm. One last question, and then I want to get into – I want to talk a little bit about Zingword. I'm curious mm-hmm. about that. But local content creation, if I want to if I want to explore that, if, if I think this might be the right thing for me, for my globalization department, for my brand, um, what should I do? What are the steps that I should take? Who should I talk to? What are the resources I should read other than mm-hmm. listening to this podcast? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I don't think there's a one size fits all answer. Um, there were some people when we did the panel that asked the same question, uh, which is basically like, a, so if you're a localization manager and you want to start, you know, producing local content, um, but you've never done that before, you've only translated content, um, where where would you start, you know? And uh, I think it depends on the type of content that you have. Um, I suppose that your set of options are to either a work with uh, people who are either in-house or freelance. B, uh, maybe your LSPs can provide that service. Uh, or C, you could work with a marketing agency in the in the local uh, market. Um, and then, like if you have um, in-country teams uh, that that can produce content or. 
that that's another option too. That's that's so, a really uh, good point talking about in-country teams because <laughs> if you if you work for a global organization or you work with a global organization that does have a presence in local markets and you know typically I mean, there's no typically, but many times it's a it's a sales outpost or a marketing outpost or mm-hmm. what have you. You have people there in those local markets, and they can be they can be a really good resource for for you oh, if, yeah. if you're looking into that. Um, mm-hmm. One way, you know, this is this is one way to think about it is I've heard a lot of people complain about the quality of their localization, the quality of their translation throughout my career. Not because I'm that horrible of a project manager, just because, you know, shit happens. Like, that's what we were talking about in our previous. There will always be quality issues, right? But, you know, if you think about it, every complaint for a complaint against localization is just a hidden request for transgression or a hidden request for source content creation. And take it from me, like that's sometimes not a conversation to be having with your client right as they're complaining about the quality. You don't want to tell mm-hmm. them, well, the quality is bad because you're not paying me enough. Mm-mm, that does not go well. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that, but you know, if, you know, if you're out there and you're working with a vendor or maybe you've switched vendors because they keep messing up quality and you've just have these chronic quality problems, this is, you know, this is something to look into. Like maybe I need to be taking a different approach, right? Maybe we mm-hmm. just throw everything out, start new, have a trans creation strategy, have a source content creation, you know, local content creation strategy, mm-hmm. um, whatever it may be. I don't know. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, when you're deciding whether or not local content creation is for you um, and you're, you know, and I think we're talking mostly about marketing content here. Um, yeah. Like you can look at the in, type in, of in content. In case that isn't clear, that's that's a problem when two, two folkies like you and me talk about this kind yeah. of stuff is like we take things for granted. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's a good point. Like most of what we're talking about when we're doing this kind of stuff is for marketing. You mentioned yeah. it. Uh, no, Anna, I think we Anna did. Anna yeah, mentioned we mentioned it. it. We mentioned. I think yeah. Anneli mentioned it. To be honest, so she's yeah. keeping us honest. I think I mentioned SEO earlier. Um, you but, did. You uh, did. Yeah. So, like, like if you're thinking of your marketing communication set, um, you know, even for a large enterprise, I mean, it's it's all kind of uh, in the same. You know, every company has kind of the same set. I mean, you have your blog content, you have your social media content, you have printed content. Um, you have longer form content like white papers or things like that. And like what, what your set is, is, you know, going to depend on what industry you're in and how, what, how much of it you produce will depend on what industry you're in and mm. what your goals are. Um, but I think that, you know, like if you're in an industry where you can um, either uh, you can produce this local content effectively and that's going to um, convert better. So like when you go to measure your stats and your marketing, um, if that content is going to convert better because it's uh, written from a local perspective, Mm -hmm. then that's a win and you should probably do it. Uh, If you are, uh, you know, a company that has like more difficult to produce content, that's highly technical. Um, But if you have the budget and the stakes are really high, um, it might be worth it for you to produce local content, um, in which case it'll probably be more expensive than translation or transcreation. Um, rather than less expensive. 
So those would be, I think, the two examples. And then, um, you know, on the other side, I think if you're a translator, there's already a lot of translators that do transcreation that have uh, added copywriting to their services mm. um, as well. So I think that uh, that that's that's a long-standing trend now. Um, and then if you're an LSP, you know, I think that the thing you can do is when your client approaches you and they're like, well, we want to translate this, this marketing set, like uh, whatever it is, like uh, 500 blog posts or whatever, um, you know, maybe what you can do is present local content creation as an alternative yeah. and, uh, and just be prepared to explain it, you know? So, uh, like local, there's some benefits. We can write better, more targeted copy, um, for this target market. Um, and it's going to cost the same or cheaper or more expensive, but you can, you can justify the local content creation angle. Um, basically it's got to convert better, right? It's got to convert better, uh, which leads me mm -hmm. before I want to ask you about AB testing is what I want to ask Mm -hmm. you about and like what the role Ah. of AB testing is in all of this. However, Mm -hmm. um, before we get to that, like you make a really good point that, um, local content creation is providing another option. And, one, um, we do a lot of workshops. I do a lot of workshops for, for NIMSY and one of mm-hmm. our newer workshops and I run it with Miguel here at NIMSY is, oh, I forget the name of it. It's basically about like data driven storytelling, like how to have conversations with senior leadership and well, evangelize localization, right? How to, um, convince the VPs, convince the CFO to give you more budget to let you go into new markets, um, mm-hmm. what, whatever it may be on that. And one of the things that we talk about, like one of the slides that I go over is the old classic give options, right? Like people, when you're, when you're selling something, when you're pitching something, when you're trying to persuade someone of something, like they, people want to be in control of Mm -hmm. their lives, of their destiny, of the world around them. So let them be in control. And you don't um, help someone be in control by saying, this is your only option. You help them feel Mm -hmm. in control by saying, would you like to do A, B, or C, right? Mm -hmm. And we got the cheap option, we got the standard option, and we got the deluxe option. We got the Mm -hmm. quick option, we got the standard option, and we got the, you know, slow option or whatever it may be, right? You can play around with these different variables. And this is just providing one more option for them. So even if you're, even if transcreation is not called for, even if um, local content creation is not called for, doesn't hurt to have a conversation about that with your vendors. It doesn't hurt to have a conversation about that with your clients if you're on the LSP mm-hmm. side. It's like, are you aware of this, right? S- send them a... Mm-hmm. I was going to say, send them a link to this podcast. Sure. Yeah. Send them a link yeah. to this podcast, you know, and they can hear it from us. Yeah. I think it's a, uh, I think you're exactly right. And, and it also shows that, you know, if you're a service provider, I think it shows that you know something about um, the objectives that the marketing department in that company has, right? Cause you're actually talking about conversion rates. You're talking about uh, um, trying to improve those numbers by producing a different, kind of content or using a different method and um yeah just it only says good things uh about you if you understand those things and uh um yeah i think it's a good idea so a b testing what is the role of a b testing in all of this because that's my mind is already kind of going down the rabbit hole yeah i mean so 
Yeah, so I'm I'm not like A/B testing expert or anything. Oh, neither am um, I. Neither, like, uh, neither are of... most people that do A/B testing, right? I don't think I've yeah. ever met an expert A/B tester. A/B testing is something, and that's the thing about A/B mm-hmm. testing is like, it guys, can be pretty hackish. It's pretty hackish, but like, no, but that's, that's good news. That's like, the, mm-hmm. I, I love this kind of stuff. So like, listen to me for a second, guys, if you're, if you're watching this, like all six of you <laughs> watching, um, AB testing, you don't have to be a marketer. You don't have to be a data scientist. You don't have to be classically trained in AB testing in order to do this. Like most people that do AB mm-hmm. testing aren't, it's a tool. There are tools available out there, um, that you can mm-hmm. use. A lot of them are free or very, very cheap to do. And frankly, it's not something that should be relegated only to the marketing department. Anybody mm-hmm. who's putting stuff out there um, to to clients or customers or users um, should have some basic awareness of what A-B testing is. And for those of you mm-hmm. who are like super newbies, welcome. A-B testing is essentially creating a system where if I'm sending out something, whether it's you know putting a featured image on a website or sending an email campaign, I'm going to have two versions of that. I'm going to have an A and I'm going to have a B. And mm-hmm. half of the people that log in online or half of the people that open the email are going to receive A and half are going to be B, receive B. And then I'm going to track what is the, what is the behavior, what are the results from A and what are the results from B. And if there's a mm-hmm. delta there, then, you know, if A, you know, twice as many people are opening the email campaign for A than they are for B, well, guess what? Stop sending B and send everybody else A. Right, so that's that's mm-hmm. what A/B testing is, and yeah, I can't help but I mean, think that you, ha- you have to do it. You know, like yeah. you have to A/B test uh, if you're going to launch local content because you want to see that it's converting better. Um, I, I would add that I suspect that organizations that produce a large volume of content uh, may not actually A/B test the content, but they may just uh, compare it to uh, transcreated content or translated content. So like, you know, if you were producing like 300 blog posts, oh, that, you might just, that's uh, what I meant. Actually, that's mm-hmm. what, that's what I meant. I'm not saying like write two different versions. I'm saying like mm-hmm. have the transcreated, so have a translated version, yeah. have a transcreated mm-hmm. version and then have a version that you just wrote from scratch, like local copy mm-hmm. creation. Because yeah. if you have a doubt in your mind about like, yeah, but is it worth it? Cause like, make, you know, like, it's more expensive. Like, let's be honest about this. Like it's, it's, it's much cheaper just to translate things instead of writing them from scratch or transcreating them, especially if you're using machine translation or other cat tools or whatever. Right. So mm-hmm. is that additional expense worth it? And that's what we want to find out with AP testing. What is the ROI yeah, exactly. of transcreation? What is the ROI of local content creation? Essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the panel we did, uh, uh, all, all three of the panelists, uh, I mean, they, they didn't share their, their numbers exactly, of course, but they, they all said that uh, they've seen that the uh, that the locally uh, produced content uh, outperformed the translated content sometimes. And, uh, you know, that's another thing, too, is like when, when you think about A-B testing and you think about those kinds of things, like if you don't have the budget for that, or if you don't have the bandwidth for it, one thing you can do is just watch what other companies do that you know are A-B testing. <laughs> yeah. So if you see this big company over here in the travel industry or this real estate company or whatever, and you look at their stuff and you know they're A-B testing because they're huge companies and they have like unlimited resources. 
So you can watch what they do and you can just assume that they A-B tested it. And uh, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's another uh, that's uh, into hack. <laughs> the, poor, the poor man's version. If you can't afford the A-B tests, just do whatever. Copy those guys. <laughs> you know, I, I've said that before though. And it's not, it's, it's true about multiple things. It's like, especially, you know, I think Nimsy was a startup. Well, or still a startup. Once a startup, always a startup. But I think Zingward and Nimsy kind of got started around the wrong, right uh, around the same time. Am I correct, or mm-hmm. am I way off base there? Uh, we've been around for like three or four years now. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think we we got really serious about developing our software about three four years ago. Yeah. Um. So it's about the same time. Yeah. Um. But we bootstrapped our software. So like we've been uh, we've been building a community. We've been producing a lot of communications, especially for translators. Well, let's um, let's go there because mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about Zingword, and so let's just cool. go there right now. Um, what is Zingword? Tell me. <laughs> Uh, so Zingword is in beta right now. It's a staffing system for translations. Um, that's that's kind of what we're going with. So we're trying to, uh, for clients, we're trying to solve the problems that they have when they try to find and hire translators. Um, so we we want to make that uh, faster and easier, um, and uh, and also like solve quality problems. So basically, being able to find a uh, true professional translator that's specialized in the thing that you are doing, and that is available for you to work with right now. And uh, for translators, um, we are trying to uh, give them a, a better way to reach uh, clients, uh, especially direct clients, but also uh, agency clients. Um, we are trying to uh, give them a place where they can represent themselves uh, better. And uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to help them uh, market their services in a way. So like by solving the, the issues of finding translators, um, we are also solving the issues that translators have when they try to market themselves or try to grow their businesses. So that's uh, in a nutshell. There's other stuff that, that we're working on um, that I guess we'll be announcing in the next maybe. Oh, it's top okay. secret. I got I to gotta learn my lessons. I can't just go promising dates. You can't. But, t- um, yeah, yeah exactly. Is it top secret? Can you tell me? Uh, is this an exclusive? Are, are we breaking news? Oh, man. Oh, man. No, no, no. Right, no. I mean, it's it's an exciting project, though. Like, uh, because I, I think if you, you know, if you're in the industry and you think about the space, um, you know, actually not a lot of not a lot of innovation has happened in the space of finding and, and staffing translators, right? So, like, we think about TMS systems, like they've made great progress. We think about cat tools. It's like, man, you can translate software, you can translate UIs, you can translate this, you can translate like, there's all kinds of stuff. You know, uh, we think about like processes that we've developed in the industry. So like, uh, um, you know, we have like uh, each different sector has their own processes that they've worked out over the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years. So they have processes and techniques that are, you know, delivering the the best that they can achieve there. Um, And then, you know, at the moment where you go to like find uh, translators and where translators are like uh, representing themselves to to people that are trying to hire them, um, I think we've not uh, made as much progress in that area as we did in the rest of the industry. So, like, I hope that the stuff that we're going to do now is going to be uh, innovative, and uh, people will appreciate it. And I think that you know the early returns are that uh, people are pretty excited about it. Yeah. 
I um, there's a need, right? There's a need. Vendor management. I have a lot. Of, I talk mm-hmm. to a lot of different folks about vendor management um, on both sides, but mostly on the the LSP side because let's face it, mm-hmm. most, most clients outsource their vendor management. That's what they're doing when they hire an LSP, right? Yeah. So that's a big role. And vendor management, you know, it's it's just kind of like the neglected redheaded stepchild of the localization company, right? Yeah. The salespeople are hip, slick, and cool. They got the travel budget. They're out there mm-hmm. making a name for themselves. The project managers are like the shit. They know what mm-hmm. they're doing. They, they got it down. They're the bread and butter. And oh, oh, vendor managers, right? And well, yeah. don't ask me where quality managers lie on that. I don't want to get into that. But like vendor managers, yeah, managers right. forget about them. They are crucial crucial to yeah. operation well i mean every every translation that is performed by a human being um is uh i mean you have to have a translator there there's like a, it happens it's like it's like a core uh thing for the work you know like uh, it is the work um it, it and, is the uh, work. but it's like a translate. no it's that you don't have to have a translator you have to have the right translator there and i think that's what people forget and you know especially Mm -hmm. monolinguals like where i come from it's you know people don't speak a lot of different languages so it's hard for them to grasp this so here's what i say is like i am translating i'm doing a project for microsoft just because i'm looking at them i'm doing a project for microsoft into croatian because you're in croatia and um it's for their cloud server solution whatever right Mm -hmm. now People that aren't aware of localization, people that don't know how this industry, how this profession works, would think, hmm, I went to college with someone who speaks Croatian. You want me to call them? I can ask them because in their mind, they speak Croatian, they speak English, therefore, they can translate. Now, then I would ask this, can you write me a one-page document or essay or article or blog or anything about cloud server software in English? And they'd say, well, well, no, I don't know anything about cloud server software. How could I write something about that? Like, exactly. If you can't write about it confidently, you can't translate it. I mean, you can translate it, but you can't translate it confidently. So that's how I like to explain that to people. And yeah, their, their yeah. eyes still glaze over, but it's the best. It's the best explanation I got. I think it's a good explanation, and uh, and you know, I, I yeah, I mean, I think that uh, if you if you think about the industry and uh, and trying trying to um, ask uh, translators to specialize uh, in fields um, and to really focus on a field, I think too there's an issue of like uh, making sure that 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 particular person has enough work in that field yeah. to specialize in that field. And, uh, and, and so I, you know, if you just imagine like the whole like global network of translators getting applied to projects, it's not, uh, it's not very e- efficient, you know? So like, uh, there's this translator over here that's specialized in this thing, but, uh, they're not getting hired for this job way over there. Um, because it's, there's no way, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so then you end up with, uh, a lot of, uh, um, well, I mean, everybody says that they offer the best quality and they have the most specialized translators, but Here we go. under the hood, it's not really the, it's not really the case all the time that, uh, 
But but you know there, we we don't have a well, lot of good technology. If everybody is, this is the thing. If everybody says they have the best quality, then nobody has the best quality, right? <laughs> yeah. Quality quality is a ridiculous subject to talk about, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. This coming from the person, by the way, who just got done doing a forty-five minute live stream talking about quality, right? So yes, the hypocrisy <laughs> is real. I get it. That's fine. But it, it's. Here's why it's kind of a ridiculous thing. And the analogy I use is if I, if I pay someone to come over to my house and replace my toilet, right? Well, first of all, mm-hmm. I can replace my own toilet, but my wife won't let me. So I pay a lot of money to come over to, to have someone come over and replace my toilet for me. And I never ask them like, hey, how, how good of quality is that installation going to be, right? Like how, how, how good are you? Like, are you going to mess it up, right? Are you going to make mistakes? Like, how often do you make mistakes? What type? You know, what what priority and severity are the types of mistakes that you make? What categorize? categories of mistakes do you? No, I don't because when I pay someone money to do a job, I expect them to do it right. And I don't expect to pay extra for a third-party LQA service, which is sold to me as an add-on. No, if I'm paying you for localization give me localization, right? Give me high quality, mm-hmm. right? So that's why I think, um, okay, rant over, but that's why quality is a little ridiculous for me to talk about. And I'd much rather talk mm-hmm. about things like things that lead to quality, right? So things yeah. like project management and vendor management. Well, there's something I'll throw out to the six, six listeners, um, that we have. Do we have, six uh, listeners? I, have, I don't we know, have 13, you, 13 on LinkedIn. Said, I turned said, off the comments. I'm sorry, guys, if anyone's trying to comment. said six earlier. I was, I was being like, facetious. I was, <laughs> um, you know, I think that, but usually what happens just by the way, like, well, people watch these afterwards because they're pop up They're They're not announced yeah. or anything, which by the way, if you're watching now and you're not subscribed, like, and subscribe so that you can. Yeah, yeah. You get click the, the subscribe and you ring get, the bell. You get, you get if the you're deal. On YouTube. Exactly. Yeah, ring that bell, ring, everybody. Ring the ring bell. It. Yes, you're a YouTuber too. I see. Ring Tucker's bell. Wow. Okay. What were we talking about? <laughs> um, I, I think what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, what I was going to say is just that, like, uh, from a vendor perspective, vendor management perspective, um, related to quality, one of the things that we want to make possible at Zingwert. And I'm just going to say this is it, we would like to make it possible for people to perform like a kind of like a vendor audit trail um, so that if you are an LSP, you will actually be able to say um, like the translators. Yeah, me too. I, I also like it, but I'm not going to go into any more details uh, because, you know, well, just, it, okay. I'm wait. Come you have more to details. have me back on again in like three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back on in three months because that is something Here's what I want to talk about with you um, now that you've mentioned that vendor audit trails is the finding the balance between transparency and efficiency. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is I, I've seen this trend um, where buyers of localization, they want transparency specifically in the form of I want to know the name CV, social security number of the translator who's touching, you know, the people mm-hmm. that are touching my stuff. Right. They want to know exactly who they are, where they studied, what their expertise is, all of it. It's that control. It's that control that we were talking about. However, they also want the advantages of an outsourced language service um, provider, which is to me a, one of the big advantage, like why you pay an LSP um, twice as much or almost twice as much as you would pay a freelancer 
is because mm -hmm. of that added value, that that vendor management, which we've been talking about this whole time. Mm -hmm. So that's what I want to talk about next time. Let's not let's not go into it now, though. All right, because uh, we are at we are at fifty minutes, and I really try not to go over an hour on these. Um, well, we still got thirteen people hanging out. So, we still got uh, well. It's... Maybe maybe you have to have your team edit the video down afterwards uh, for uh, YouTube or exactly. something. Well, this, this, this is my last live stream of today, but tomorrow Nimsy is going live three times, I think. So, wow. like, pop some popcorn and just make a day of it. Listen to us in the background. It'll it'll be fun, guys, if you, if you want to come join us on that. But Robert, last word. Last word. Um, anything I can plug? We plugged Zing Word. Um, I see you have a new If you're a translator... Here. You know, uh, sign up at Zingword. Um, we have uh, an invitation system. So, like, we have a kind of a waiting list. Uh, you can join more than 10,000 translators who have already signed up. Uh, if you are uh, someone who uh, looks for translators or wants to hire translators, um, you will soon be able to, uh, to do so at Zingword.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for everybody that joined us in the comments today. Uh, once again, thank you, Tucker. My name, yeah, thank you, Robert Rogie. And I think maybe the most important thing that we all learned as a group today, together, is it is pronounced Rogie. Yeah, Rogie. For years, I have seen your name written and not spoken. So in my mind, I've always thought it was like Rogue or Rogue or something. Yeah, Rogue or something. Right? Yeah. So Robert Rogie, ladies and gentlemen, from CEO and founder of Zingwords. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Tucker. Right. Yes, You're sir. very gracious. All right, guys, that has been it for today. Um, let's thank the, the folks that brought us here in MZ Insights. We do market research and consulting specialized in the language services industry, but not necessarily limited to it. We work with people that want to enter new markets around the world and not just do so in the normal way, but do so in a way that is really going to be speaking to their local customers, maximizing their return on investment for international operations. Um, if you haven't already, make sure to like, and I don't care if you like, to be honest, but go ahead and subscribe. As Robert said, hit the bell. If you're on YouTube, it helps us out. But more importantly, it makes sure that you are notified when we go live with these pop-up events. So with that, I will bid you all a wonderful day, night, evening, wherever you are, and we will talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers.